Hi, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Coming up, uh, Subversity with Dan Sung. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, today we're going to be having a, de- a belated uh, V-Day. Uh, <laughs> uh, not for uh, Valentine's, but for Vagina. Uh, vagina Monologues, and that's a show that's uh, going to be taking place this week, later this week, at UC Irvine. And with us are uh, some members of the cast. Uh, we're going to have uh, the um, lead uh, lead director, uh, Hailey Pollard, Pollard? Um, uh, and some cast members, Man- Mani uh, Daliwa and Natalie Newton. Uh, welcome. Um, maybe first of all, you could talk about uh, what's behind this concept of having uh, vagina monologues, and what is it? Um, well, the vagina monologues started as um, a one-woman show um, off Broadway. A woman named Eve Ensler um, wrote the show and performed the show as a, a, a theater piece. That basically, the idea of it is to bring women's empowerment through stage and through talking about a taboo subject. Um, so people, we are we are in this society that's um, kind of inundated with sexuality at the same time that we silence a lot of the ways that women talk about their own bodies. So the Vagina Monologues has kind of evolved from the 90s, uh, from Eve Ensler's One Woman Show to this uh, kind of like <clears throat> um, multi-woman show. There's lots of different monologues that women perform on stage talking about their individual stories. Um, and the script is still written by Eve Ensler, um, but she talks to a lot of other women to kind of um, bring p- the bring different stories together into one coherent narrative. Um, and here at UCI, we the students kind of um, put on the show ourselves. We make the stage. We we're the cast and the crew, and we um, kind of bring our own take on how to perform the actual monologues. D- did it start off in uh, in New York or something? Yeah, she actually put a, had a show on Broadway. Um, do you know more about it? Um, uh, I don't know what Eve Ensler did before she had she did the mono, vagina monologues. Um, right now, the vagina monologues are actually a copywritten um, play, and she writes new monologues every year. Um, and the schools or the different community centers that are chartered to um, use the scripts um, are actually have to have a V Day event in conjunction with it. Um, so V Day is this national campaign. So V stands for Vagina, Victory, and Valentine, and to stop the violence against women. Um, most of the time we talk about sexual violence against women, um, but this is like kind of an all-encompassing kind of uh, event. Mm-hmm. And the Vagina Monologues are part of V-Day as a fundraiser and um, kind of like this cultural production thing. Um, yeah, there are... I believe there's, the numbers are somewhere over 2,700 productions of V-Day, Worldwide, um, each year there's a different spotlight program that focuses on a different um, issue going on around in the world. And this year it's um, the rape in the Congo. So the, all the productions focus on the same goal? Yes, a certain oh. percentage of um, pr- the proceeds will benefit the rape in the Congo cause. And then the rest of the proceeds will go to... Um, local charities and local beneficiaries. Well, why was that one picked, the Congo situation? Do you know? Um, I believe it was something that this year Eve wanted to call attention to. She chooses something different each year. Last year it was um, New Orleans. Mm. The year before it was the war in Iraq. Mm. And it just, um, I was looking at it and I was researching and I believe it really just is what she wishes to call attention to based on the women that she speaks to mm. around the world. She's always traveling, always going to new places, and um, she collaborates with many different women in minds to decide what she's going to use. Is, is the production done internationally as well? Yes. Oh. We have um, productions in China, I oh. believe, in... Um, we have productions in India, China, oh. um, I think there's pr- productions in Cambodia... And there's productions all over the world. Just yeah, there's productions in the Philippines and in Mexico and in indigenous languages too, like in Tagalog and Spanish. And um, Eve Enzer 
write scripts and then people kind of uh, translate oh. them and also rewrite other other scripts into different languages as well. They make it their own so that oh, yeah. each show um, is specific to that area. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's specific to that group that is putting it on so that no matter how many times you see it, it's always different. And you always want to go, like I recently saw the production at USC. Um, it was completely different from our show, huh. completely different take on it. I'm going to go see another one in um, uh, L.A. in March. And also um, you said the, the she adds monologues, right? So every year the, the script is a little bit different every year. Yes, there's certain standard monologues that you have. Um, you have 18 um, to 20 altogether, um, but there are optional pieces. You get to choose which one you want to use. This year we chose, as our optional piece, we chose a transgender piece. And then we have the spotlight piece, which changes every year. Oh, cool. So how did you get involved, uh, each of you? <laughs> um, I got, Money. like... Uh, I'm actually a biomedical engineering major and, you know, theater or anything about drama is like has never been a part of anything that I do. But, um, uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, I started, I actually went to the Vagina Monologues at UCI two years ago and I think Haley was in it that year and I just fell in love with the show and I just had to see it again. So last year I went again and... This is my fourth year, and I just, I just had to try out. So I saw the flyer for tryouts, and I was like, "All right, I'm doing it." And um, I don't know, I got selected, and I've been loving the experience so far. So were you nervous at the tryouts? Um, I was actually really excited because it was just something so new and so exciting, and I think um, like it was just so something so unexpected. Like the tryouts were just a lot of fun you got to meet all these women that were interested in the same thing that you were interested in and uh we got to talk about it and got to know each other a little bit and um it was just fun it was just very very exciting i didn't think that i would get selected so i think for me <laughs> it was just kind of like whatever like let's just go and have fun and that's what i did so it's always good to you know think the opposite and then you get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and natalie um i guess i started my interest from uh, as an undergraduate too. I right now I'm a third year grad student, so I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Seems like you're good at multitasking. You're good at multitasking. Yeah. Um, but I, the first show that I ever saw was in 2001. Um, the monologues that year were centered around wow. um, September 11th, and I thought that what I liked about the vagina monologues then, even though there was a lot of controversy, was that um, it was for people who are non-actors. So. I don't have any acting experience at all, um, but I wanted to kind of come out of my comfort zone and also learn new skills in terms of, like, using using theater as a tool of activism. And um, I I didn't really have, like, a high expectations at all. I was really surprised that the, um, the tryouts were so, like, engaging. There's, like, you would write little cards, like... Ha- like describe yourself and write a story about your vagina and then we shared it and then we wrote we were like performed each other's stories and it was a lot of fun um and so i like that kind of like grassroots aspect of it and it's 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 a show i felt like for people who aren't part of like uh, upper crust of like high art of like theater but really to just use like kind of kind of like in the spirit of paulo Ferreira's theater of the oppressed where people empower themselves through embodying um the politics that they believe like in a in a public setting and stuff so it's communication yeah and um so i just really like that aspect of it and of course i mean i've done other related like political things like in the past um um sexual violence awareness advocacy stuff and anti-domestic violence stuff so it was already in the same kind of field of politics that i do but in this totally different medium so i thought that it would be great skills and I'd meet new people um, and it seemed like it, it could be something that I could use in other aspects of my, my life too. So That's great. <laughs> Heidi? Yeah. Um, three years ago I just kind of passed by a flyer for the show and I saw that auditions were coming up and I was like oh my gosh I remember seeing this with my mom um, when I was little huh. and we went to see the show together. I was just um, turning 13 I believe and she 
during that show, we, after we saw it, we bonded a lot about it. We talked about it. And it was the first time I got to know my mom a little more. And so I remembered that. And so I went to the auditions on a whim, like, that very night. And it was just, I wanted to be a part of something where I felt like I had shared something in common with people, where I had similar passions with them. And we'd all be working towards something that was similar and working together to make, create a message rather than to get famous. Because mm. I am a theater person, but I am a theater person not because I want to be famous, not because I want to make art, but because I want to communicate. Mm -hmm. And the show was and still is the perfect place for me to do that. Do you think that um, from doing this production that it helped people open up about their own sexualities? Absolutely. I cannot tell you. I have seen past three years so many girls. It is so clear the difference from when you see them at auditions and when you see them at the end. And even now, girls I met two years ago who I was in the show with, girls I directed last year, and one of them who's directing this year, yeah. it's no matter what kind of person you are, I can't even express to you the gratification I get just being a part of that process and not even being directly involved in it, just watching it. You, did you have to overcome your own shyness? Me? Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of talking, talking to about, people or, or talking, talking about, about vaginas? Yeah, talking about vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still giggle a lot, and I'm not ashamed to do that. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'm generally I'm a pretty outgoing person, I think. It's definitely caused me to learn to be less ignorant, um, because you, re you really do realize how ignorant you are and how much you don't know about things. And it's a slap in the face to yourself, but I think it's important to go through. Do people accuse you of being naughty if you talk about this? <laughs> they do. <laughs> they really do. They're like... So naughty. <laughs> well, the other day I was measuring the space for the set, and a class was coming in, and they're like, what show is this for? I was like, oh, it's for the vagina monologues, and it's such a normal thing for me to say, and then you forget, oh, yeah. They're like, what? So is that some sort of nasty show? I was like, no, actually, it's not. Yeah. And I looked him right in the eye, and it's just like a sort of nonverbal communication. They're like, oh, okay, okay. And it's just, <laughs> it's not even a sense of, you do get the dirty looks, but if you present it in a certain way, they understand it's, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was passing out flyers the other day for the show, and I've gotten so used to saying the vagina monologues or using the word vagina in everyday conversation, and I don't think it's dirty. I don't think anything of it, really. Mm -hmm. And um, being a part of the show, it's just, you know, it's we talk about violence against women yeah. and all these other issues, and I think the word vagina just kind of, like, encompasses all that for me but i was passing out flyers and i was like hey you know come watch the show or whatever but um or i was like you know telling people about it and what we do or stop violence against women and all these people were just looking at me like i was a crazy person yeah, like what they always like, do yeah like why would why would you say that word and or they'd walk by and giggle or the, they'd uh they'd be too ashamed to like uh. stand and talk to me or whatever well, and it's it's just so funny to me because being a part of this process, I I don't even think about the word vagina in a negative context at all yeah, anymore. Yeah, I'm so. like I like I I was thinking yesterday, what if we were on Ring Road saying, "Come see the penis monologues," which by the way, there are penis monologues. Really? Yes, but it was made in retaliation to the vagina monologues, and it's actually a very negative show, and it's mm -hmm. very stereotypical. Mm -hmm. Um. Like, whereas our show is accused of being a feminist rant, um, <laughs> it's actually, <laughs> the, you know, we, we're accused of that. And it, is, and it is, in a sense, there are things that aren't addressed, but since you're going through the medium of theater, there's only so much you can present. But, the, you know, I was thinking, like, if we were on Ring Road and we were saying, come see the penis monologues, how many more people come up to our table? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I could be wrong, but... I think... Um I don't know. Like, I honestly think more people, more, yeah, more people would probably come up to our 
you know, stand and say, oh, what's the penis monologues instead of the vagina monologues? Because I think a lot of people just think it, think of it as such a feminist show and like they don't want to be a part of it. One um, guy on Ring Road was like, I am not a feminist. I am not coming to your show. And I was just thinking about That's it. That's not the point, yeah, though. Yeah, and I was thinking about it and I was like, but it's it's not really a feminist show. It's just, you know, it's to educate you and, you know, like, make you less ignorant. Well, I think I think that The Vagina Logs is a feminist show, but I think that what people understand as feminism is, is very narrow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. as a queer woman, when I go up to people or I talk to people about The Vagina Monologues, especially as a gender nonconforming queer person, um, people automatically sexualize, like, the show. Like, I mean, people sexualize women's bodies, period, but... Um, they automatically think that, oh, I'm part of this vagina monologues because I'm interested in vaginas or something as a queer woman. But um, I, th- I think that to me is also just how how pervasive like people's perception of women as sexual bodies and not thinking, not uh, human, like, you know, political, politically minded. Like there's lots of there's a lot of um, just roadblocking that I feel um, when we're out there, you know, even on the street, even on like UCI where people, these are fellow students who also have to go through GEs that are like, you have to take a women's studies class or whatever, but people have a lot of um, ignorances around um, even like vaginas or women's bodies and stuff. So, I thought it'd be always, uh, I thought it'd be neat to put, um, put the words on the blackboard, you know, before, at the end of your meetings and then the the next class comes in and say wow what's that (laughs) (laughs) have you done that (laughs) Um, i think uh one day we had the word vagina written on the whiteboard really big um and we couldn't erase it all the way so i wonder (laughs) i wonder what the class in the morning thought about that but i don't know like i said it doesn't the word vagina just has no negative connotations for me at all anymore and um that's how i've grown in the show when i think about it in the sense when i say my vagina Mm. i'm talking about me i'm not talking about like the physical um body part i'm talking about just like my sense of self and what i know about myself and what i don't it's Uh. just it's not like when when people say oh vagina there, I know, I know they're thinking that we're just talking about your gen- the female genitalia, and it goes so much beyond that, and I just want to tell them everything all at once, but you can't, and it's like, well, I hope that you're lucky enough to be able to see this show one day, because, and see that we're not just talking about, you know, we are talking about FGM, we are talking about periods, we are talking about rape and violence against women but we're also talking about the essence of women and how many different types of women there are all around the world and how their personalities and their takes on what happens to them are so different for each woman for me it's also show um connecting all women in the world Mm -hmm. and it just i feel like you know it does do a good job of like, al- although there are things missing in the show, it does do a good job of connecting all women around the world. Um, I know that me being in the show, like, between my family, who is everywhere, like, we've already had so many discussions about, you know, being a woman or femininity or yeah. whatever, vaginas, anything. And it's actually a really nice way to open up conversation just between, you know, people that you know and love already and to be connected to them. And it's amazing how everyone, no matter where they are from the world, can relate to the show to some, some extent. So it's nice. Are there differences in the way your family reacts? Like if you have brothers, sisters, or parents, who, are, they, are there gender differences generally in how they react? Um, the only person that I've told in my family are my sisters. Um, and I don't have any brothers, but I think they 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 think it. They just kind of follow. They just think, oh, it's just one of those things. Natalie's doing this feminist or something <laughs> like just one of those other things that she does. But um, I I don't really want to tell my parents because I just don't. Sometimes I feel like um, sometimes the dialogue isn't happening even 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 in this medium. Partly is a language barrier, but also partly because um, we just we also have other political things that maybe 
could be better done outside of uh, like see me seeing them seeing me on stage per se. Um, but I think that there are positive things that happen for people who are my friends who are not my parents <laughs> per se, but um, male friends and um, just other women friends who are also political who have have had issues with the show. Like I think Haley was talking about um, how when she talks about vaginas, it's, it's more than just a body part, but it's your whole essence of being. Like some friends of mine who who are women but don't have vaginas, like they um, have issues with the show, the kind of conflation or whatever of, of body parts and women's sexuality and, and, and gender politics and stuff. But I think that what happens in the show is that there's, there's, a, an ish, there's beginnings of dialogue, and that to me is productive, even, mm-hmm. if, even if the show isn't encompassing of their experience and also maybe perpetuating things that are actually quite contrary to what they believe about their gender. I think it starts a lot of dialogue about, about it in the first place that doesn't happen in a lot of shows. So that's why I like the kind of like pub- emphasis or publicity around um, certain words, not only vagina in the show, but other words too. Yeah, I don't know if I would be involved in this show right now if my mother and I hadn't talked after we All saw right. the show together. Yeah, yeah. And this show has, <clears throat> like emotionally, it has gotten me through college thus far. Mm. And like, again, it's because of the sort of dialogue that this show creates. How does, um, you know, a lot of the discourse on um, oppression of women, uh, the, uh, it focuses on victimization. How do you get beyond being treating uh, women's uh, oppression as um, just being uh, a victim? and get beyond empowering empowering uh, women in that from that experience do do you think the show does that i do um there's actually um don't know if i'm supposed to reveal it but in the director's notes there are specific um or rough you know rough specific um standards that the author requests that you um honor and mm-hmm. one of them is to make sure that these pieces don't come from a place of victimization and self-pity mm. and that they don't ask the audience to cry for you basically and it's just you want them to be presented in such a way that the audience understands that this is a person telling you their story they've been through it and they just want to tell you they just want to get through that um, and say I've been through this I'm putting it on the table for you do what you want with it but I thought you needed to know, or I thought you should know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's all I'm doing. I'm not attacking you. I'm not telling you to cry for me. I'm just telling you my story because I have the right to. So does that answer yeah. your question? You, you, you're not accusing. Is it, it's not accusatory. No, it's definitely, yeah. that is, yeah, it's, it's not accusatory. It's just sharing an experience or, you know, a, multiple experiences in one thereof. Uh, how about the racial uh, differences? Uh, is is that depicted in the film? In terms of in the film, in the show, <laughs> sounds like a film. But uh, in the in the production, how 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 is race uh, discussed and uh, handled in this in this production? That's what you want to say? Well, <laughs> You're rushing to say it. <laughs> well, um, that's one of the issues that I have um, with some of the show, with some of the monologues. I think that. Um, I think Eve Enzer has has always had a spirit of including other women's voices outside of the United States. Um, although sometimes, like the monologues that I know that were performed that are in the show now, like I don't know all of the monologues, but um, most of them don't really talk about racial identity unless they're talking about people outside of the U.S. So we have a monologue on the Bosnian Kosovo conflict and the spotlight on on the rape in the Congo, and we have. Um, we have little snippets of kind of more, it can be interpreted as cultural, um, where there's like introduction pieces where we're all kind of in chorus. So there's like 30 girls on stage sometimes for certain, certain. Um, they're not always just like one person saying their monologue, for example. So for my monologue, for example, um, I wish would talk more about racial stuff um, because of the long history of, of my, of so my monologue is basically, I'm a sex worker who only has sex with women. And um, because I'm an Asian-American woman, being on stage representing a sex worker to me just kind of 
resonates with this whole history and media images of Asian sex workers, like the whole me love you long time thing. And um, to me, I, I, um, there's, there's no room in the script per se to really address those politics, that history. And of course, again, that is the limitation of the medium at the same time. Um, I think things that we do outside of the show, like teach-ins or this radio show or things in the program or um, our separate activism that starts from the monologues can can still like bring attention to those things that aren't actually in the script. Um, you can't improvise, huh? We oh, cannot, no. And that is no. something actually huh. we are allowed to add um, pieces from <clears throat> activists or, and like, or women in the community in general. Um, and I know that there have been several productions um, where oh. To it, in order to address race, like we were watching an introductory video, I sh- we we showed it to the girls, and <clears throat> there was a woman um, who performed her own piece that she wrote, and it was called "My Black Vagina." Mm. And you can make your show not only different, but include subjects of race in in contributions that way. from the from audience, contributions from, from the, the community, the which community, makes it yeah. better and more personal to whatever area you're performing it in. So that's so that would be repeated every every production and I mean it's not just people from the it's not people from the audience. It's oh, actually no, it's, it's part it's, of the it's repeated production. in every production. Um yeah. and there are just pieces from is that did that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um like I know um one of the girls who was in the show at UCI last year it's amazing. Like, I hadn't heard from her in so long, and she actually began her own production of V-Day in L.A. for the black and Latina communities. Huh. And I'm very interested to see um, what would, what, how that's going to come out, because I know that <clears throat> that was an issue with her and for her in the show, yeah. as well was that you can only go so far with Eve because she w- wishes to address the, the conflicts and issues that are going around the world, world yeah. rather than um, digging a little deeper into it, just to say, this is happening here, you need to know it, rather than going more into the cultural aspect of it. And so I know Siobhan, her name is Siobhan, she felt concerned for that, mm. so she began her own production of V-Day, and is going to incorporate more personal pieces from women in the community in it. So that's a kind of a loophole, I guess, that you can take advantage of. Yeah, like this year, like we're yeah, we're I making think, it our own. I think it's the beauty of it because um, no matter what show you go to, it's going to have its own mm. flair. Yeah, it's going to have its own just personality that will be different, that will make it different for you, that will open up new doors for you, new ways of thinking, and new ways of viewing the vagina monologues, and. I love that you can put your own interpretation to it and, um, and like, do your own monologue that way. For example, with my monologue about transgendered women, you know, uh, Haley pretty much just told us, hey, think about your monologue, think about what it means to you, and think about how you relate to it, and address it like that, which is really cool because... I'm putting my own flair into this monologue. I'm putting my own personality into it and my own thoughts and, um, you know, shelling it out to people and saying, hey, this is how I view it. Here, here I'm showing it to you and listen to me. So it's cool. I think that's really important (laughs) because each year, like, somebody say, oh, I already saw that. I saw that last year. And I tell them, like, I told the girls in the very beginning you know, you can go and see any production of Cinderella, and anyone in the world, like, they can play Cinderella, fine, no big deal. But I want to see you play Cinderella. I want to see what you do with it, because you are going to come out within that character, and that's why it's so important for these girls to find a place in their piece to connect to, and it's just so important. Like, when I see somebody who says, oh, I saw it, it's like, but you haven't seen this girl. You haven't met this woman. You have not met money. You have not met Natalie. You need to see this. You have to. How about in terms of um, heteronormativity? Is it normally, was it originally more heteronormative? Hmm. Go ahead. I don't really know the history of like how heteronormative it is. I know that for my monologue, for example, um, 
I think that my director had said she's experienced most of the time when people do my monologue, which is a sex worker who only has sex with women, it's usually very heteronormative. It's kind of like for the male gaze. Um, I mm. see I've my own witnessing of the UCI version of the show. There are a lot of um, queer aspects to it, um, like the transgender piece. There's another piece um, where a woman... Um, it's a, it's her story of like childhood violence and then growing up and then um, coming kind of coming of age and like uh, having more romantic interest in women as she goes up and um, I think that that kind of range is you know pretty pretty representative like pretty it's it's there in the show I wouldn't say that it dominates the show um, but I also feel like for my own monologue for example I think that um, part part of the the homosexuality of it is is at the expense of men um where like i become i become more involved with women because i'm dissatisfied with men which i don't know if really represents the experience of women who are bisexual or other women who are who have never had experiences with men and so their interest in women is not really even relevant to men period so i think that um again there are things about um there are things again. There are just primers for conversation that happen in the show. Um, the queer aspects. I mean, it's the vagina monologues is is about all women. So there there are there are yeah. you know aspects of it that include yeah. other sexualities. Do you, do you talk about technological changes like you know webcams or SMSing or I mean this kind of stuff? Is is it does it relate to the Web 2.0 generation? Um, <laughs> I know the spotlight piece this year actually has something about, you know, like this type of, like the generation today. Yeah. And it says, um, it's some, it says something like, you know, the rape in the Congo is happening, but all you guys are worried about is, <clears throat> um, your video games and whatever. And iPods. <laughs> well, well, I mean, like that. I mean, well, cause I, the Congo is important in that, um, they're, pre- they have natural resources there like tin and Colton, which are, um, essential for electronic devices like cell phones. So if we didn't have that, if we didn't have Colton, nobody's cell phone would work period in the world. What's Colton? So what is Colton? It's like a kind of metal that, um, mm. they line the wiring of, um, of cell phones and also other electronic devices like playstations and, um, other computer mm. stuff. So there's there's only one place in the world where you get Colton, which is in the Congo. And so the civil unrest that's happening now, um, rape is used as a tool of genocide and also as a crime against humanity. And in the Congo, like, that's that's this epicenter of this whole, like, global economic technological infrastructure. Yeah. So the importance yeah. of that place <clears throat> is really high. Yeah. Um, it's It's um sort of... My understanding is that it's a mixture of conflict because it's oh sorry the conflict in the congo spilled over from rwanda and then it became a sort of um civil unrest um over the tin and colton and other natural resources the congo is an absolutely beautiful place Mm. if you've ever been there or seen pictures of it or videos and once the reason that the women are being um, pinpointed in this is because once you get to the women of a culture you you affect the entire community you affect their culture the women are shunned from their community because they're raped or because they're um, violated in any way and therefore their children are affected by this and the culture is degraded until it's eventually gone to see who can get control over the culture and thereby the resources and so it's kind of a backwards way to it but mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very common sure sure i think um in terms of that like rape has been used in tax tactics of war sure. for so many centuries just for that reason yeah and so it's that's that's exactly what's going on in the congo and it's been going on for quite a while now it's just the vagina monologues this year is bringing note to it and honestly like i didn't know much about the conflict myself until um i learned that the spotlight piece was on the rape in the Congo, and um, it's just sad. So, how about this whole issue of uh, privacy? The private space versus public space. Uh, cultural theory people like to say that how it's you know, like you know, no longer separate domains. Do you feel that your show contributes to that uh, blurring of boundaries between the private and the public? 
Well, I mean, certainly, I think that vaginas or sexuality period, like people think as um, a private thing. People don't want to talk about it, like it's your business or whatever. But the point of the show is to to bring out the fact that things that we call private are totally embedded in all of these political issues, these personal um, experiences of violence or all these oppressions like gender oppressions, class oppressions that um, manifest in things that we call private um, and and bringing out this in such a big public way. Like there's Hollywood actors who do the, the vagina monologues like Sybil Shepard and Susie Lopez <laughs> and Carmen <Yeah>. Electra <laughs> and like, yeah, there's a lot of people. It has this like mainstream kind of like... Um, uh, name and so I think that it be, it does bring out things that are very private for women out into the public and you know when people sit in it in the theater it becomes this like you know conversation that you have with a public um, and I like that after the show we have this Q and A section where we can actually engage with the audience afterward um, about our monologues or about their questions and so on. Uh, we're talking with uh, members of the cast of the Vag- Vagina Monologues here at UCI. Uh, maybe you could talk about your parts, uh, your individual parts. Uh, in uh, Natalie, you're you're playing a sex worker. Does do you uh, talk about sex as work rather than as um, something else? Or actually, no. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, another issue I have with the monologue. But I think that uh, what happens in the monologue is that um, the emphasis is more about sexual empowerment and about, like, that, for me, the experience of, like, being this kind of very sexually um, um, dominant person on stage has, has been empowering personally for me. Um, but the effect is, the, and then the effect of it for the audience who's listening, I think there's a, elements of humor and just, like, being loud and being you know, that kind of vicarious experience of, of owning your sexuality by watching it on stage, I think, happens. But at the same time, something that doesn't happen is that there is no discussion of sex work as a kind of labor and, and that sex work yeah. is, is not usually about sex. It's about work. And so um, there's a twist in this in that I, have, I, have, I only have sex with women, which kind of shows the agency that sex workers have in their work. Like, it's not like they're having sex with anybody that they want, like... It's, there's rules, there's negotiation and money involved and so on. Um, and I think that that's, important. that's an important aspect to talk about because a lot of people sensationalize um, sex work as like, oh, wow, that must be a really fun job <laughs> or something um, and also dangerous. But I think there's, there's because of our um, kind of like media and like the ways that sex workers are portrayed in movies, um, there's an attention to the way that... Um, Sex work is about paying people for your time, not always for your body. So I think that um, if if I were to rewrite it or something, it would be something more on, on along those lines too. Yeah, I had a I had taught a class uh, once before about sex, uh, sexual politics, and politics of sexualities, and um, we had a um, sex worker from LA who was a prominent um, organizer, and she said the most she was paid was actually sitting down and talking it was a heterosexual kind of relationship but uh work but um was talking about it with somebody talking some this guy just wanted somebody to talk to to hear him talk and Mm -hmm. listen to him and there was not even any sex but he got you know she got thousands of dollars for that conversation i think my role in the show is more of like a sexual healer of some kind Mm -hmm. where i i have sex with women and then it becomes like this spiritually and personally empowering experience for them like opening them up it's sort of like this monologue is like a representation of the show where it becomes like Mm. this experience that women have and um i i also like that you know the other women who are on stage with me because the show because this year the directors um had um several other women be part of the my monologue which is usually just one woman um i thought that that was really cool that they would have such a diversity of women on stage to doing doing um, certain aspects of the of the monologue. I don't want to give it away, but like, <laughs> but I think it's really. I think to me too that the monologue allows for this participation on stage um, to happen, and it's really not for like me as like kind of a butchy lesbian. Like it's not fitting mm-hmm. the male. It's not fitting the male fantasy of like I don't have red fingernails and like mm-hmm. long blonde hair or whatever, and I'm like like silk getting, stockings. Yeah, something. it's it's that's not how. That's not how I represent it. And so um, that, I think that, to me, also 
helps in disrupting the whole lineage of mm. this monologue being um, for the male gaze yeah. or kind of, even though it's queer, it's still heteronormative sometimes, if that makes any sense. But um, Because uh, heterosexual yeah. males get off on watching yeah. les- lesbian movies, right? And that, mm. that fantasy doesn't really play out, I don't think, um, just by my sheer presence on stage as a non-gender conforming person, also the way that I that I try to represent, like, how I'm engaging with the women when I'm talking about the monologue and stuff. It, it causes them to pay more attention to your story, to the mm. story of your character, because in your piece, I feel like, well, I was talking to Tracy about this. Tracy's um, Natalie's director um, for that piece, and we were talking about how a lot of people will see this piece um, and think, oh, okay, I can't wait. I love it. It's the moaning monologue. It's the moaning <laughs> monologue. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can't wait. And you kind of skip over the story just so you can get to the moans. But the way Natalie just, she's hilarious. And, <laughs> she, and she not only is hilarious, but she does her character so much justice and actually has created a background for her character. And it's very yeah. clear that she's very present inner peace and so um i've actually wonderful. i've actually seen natalie's monologue performed a couple times with uh just different people and i was t- i think i was telling Haley the other day that i think this is the first time i've actually listened to what natalie has to say like what the, like <laughs> what the character actually has to say like uh without the moans because honestly the like the moans are like the you know, like, it, they're the funny part of the monologue, but actually listening to Natalie's story, it's like, wow, this this you monologue actually, important. yeah, it's, it actually makes deep, sense. It's yeah. actually a great monologue. Because the people, it's like with... Um, I know. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> thank you for the kudos, but unfortunately I couldn't, I, I couldn't, it's not because I'm like super duper cool actor person, but um, more because I, I couldn't do it any other way. I couldn't really own the part without really understanding the story, especially doing some activism with the Sex Workers Outreach Project in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Like, there's, um, there is a background story that I feel like I want to kind of convey that is important to it and not to just reduce um, sex workers to just sexuality because there's a lot of dimensions to, to me, it's more about work not mm. so much about sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had um, a professor here, Linda Williams, uh, here, uh, who used to teach um, por- pornography class, and she would write about something called the money shot, and that's what, you know, you get paid for. Is right. <laughs> the, right. the, the yeah, the moans are the money shot. Yeah, so, show. so <laughs> in your case, the, you skip the parts and go to the, <laughs> the money shot. <laughs> <laughs> you fast forward, uh, you know, so you... Jump over the dialogue, maybe, or the monologue. Our show yeah. is all about the other stuff, the foreplay yeah. and all the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, my. Vagina? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so, uh, how about you? Um, um, money. My, my monologues, uh, I'm doing my monologue with four other women, and it's mm. on transgendered women and, um, you know, how they kind of find themselves like along the way like in a process and you know they they kind of feel out of place in their own bodies and um i was actually trying so hard to figure out how to relate to this monologue for so long and then i finally realized that honestly like i um am not exactly like i've never exactly been happy with my body Mm. and i've always wanted a different body as well and um that's just you know like because of being, you know, like, weight or whatever, and just having, um, just looking in the mirror, I never really liked what I saw growing up, and I feel like, you know, my monologue plays into that. It's being, um, you know, being born as a man or a male, and in your mind, you know that you're female, like, and you know you want a different body, and you know that you know, you'll have to do anything to go and get it. It's it's kind of the same thing for me. Like, I've always wanted... I'm, I'm kind of, you know, a bigger person. I'm kind of a bigger girl. But um, I've always wanted to be skinnier or whatever. Uh-huh. And, um, like, that's that's how I relate to my monologue. It's like I've always wanted 
to be out of my body and in a different one. And I always see, you know, random people that are walking by on campus or whatever, and I go, you know, it'd be nice to have their body or it'd be nice to be them for a day to see, like, what it would be like. And I imagine that's what it would be like for a transgendered person um, who, you know, physically is something completely different from what they are mentally and they don't see themselves when they see like when they look in the in a mirror and so that's you know what i got from my monologue in, in your role do you is it pre-op or post-op or or not op whatever I, okay. <laughs> it's it starts off as it's it's um post-op but like the monologue starts off as conveying what it felt like mm. being pre-op you know what i mean and so and it kind of describes that transition and describes that the like the travel that you have to do within yourself brings you full circle yeah it brings you full full circle thank you and um do you talk about the the medical uh issues and stuff like that medical issues oh. No, it's it's no. not really. No, it's, no, not. it's, it's no. more of like it describes like 350 hours of hot needles. Yeah. I watched oh, oh, the yeah. male particles die, but like mm. it's it's more of an emotional like yeah. what you went through mm-hmm. personally oh, and yeah, like yeah. physically like where you went like to feel accepted um, by yeah the people you were around. Yeah, I think um, it's just you know kind of it's more personal. Yeah, it's kind of it kind of starts off as dark as not knowing where you are, what you are, and it kind of goes to this whole transition emotionally to being one with yourself, to being happy with yourself, to being, like, um, I know one of my lines is, a wrong was righted, and Mm. that's towards the end of the piece, and it's more like, you know, I've gone full circle into this transition, and now I am finally at peace with who I am, because... You know how I see it is like they find this person finally sees themselves in the mirror as who they are, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. you know who they actually are, and you know it's just reaching that happiness. Finally, it, is the is the community much more accepting of transsexuals now or transgendered people? Um, like which community do you? Yeah, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very involved with the queer community, so it's yeah. like there. I I definitely know that within the queer community, it's. Um, getting better but my I have no perspective outside of that because it's so it's such a common setting for me to be in that I don't think oh you know somebody like when I say vagina it's like I'm okay with saying vagina I'm very comfortable with it but somebody walking down the street might not be and that doesn't occur to me so I yeah um how about um, women's community oh Uh, women's community well, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, I was I was actually going to say in terms of transgendered people in like a non-queer community, hmm. I think I think, you know, I think people are just at different levels. Some people definitely do accept everyone and other people don't. Other other people are very uncomfortable with it. And I think it just depends on who you ask. Right now, um I think in on a college campus, I think it's I think people are more accepting. Mm. technically but i think if you go out somewhere else you know it's a completely different story and um and i think with women i don't know i might be biased but i think women are generally more understanding of it i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong but well the show itself i mean janelle eagle a student that was here started it started um, V-Day at ECI in Mm. 2003. Um, And then there was a little controversy of the show coming here. There were people who did not want this show at all to be at UCI. And um, they were very, um, felt very right to say it. And they, now, there isn't that sort of, I don't know how to say it, um, Backlash or something? Backlash, yeah. They're, it, it's getting better and better and better. So. These were people at UCI, you mean? Yes, oh. people at UCI, because I believe that the more people, like we educate thousands of people per year now yeah. about this show just by sheer number of 
who comes to the show, who we talk to about it, you know, word of mouth. Yeah. And so I think that each year it, it just proves to me personally that the more knowledge you have, the more accepting you can be or the more understanding the community as a whole can be. Do you mean administrators or, or, or student uh, um, leaders or what? Student and faculty, I mean, um, yeah, anyone. I, I, I mean, s- who was opposed to it? Who was opposed to it? Or what kind of people were opposed um, to it before? Honestly, I don't want to say, like, if there's any particular group of um, people, um, and it, it would be wrong of me to pinpoint just anyone, because we're all raised with different ideals, all different people, and it's just, um, you know, I just, I like to say a portion of the community, because I don't yeah. want to put I, I anyone don't. under the spot like that. I don't think you can generalize who is against or who is with the show. Um, Honestly, like, there's so many different types of people on this campus, and even when we're talking about it, like, on Ring Road or whatever, um, you know, there are people that you would, you might think, hey, they might like the show, but are, like, look at you, and they just go, ew, no, there's no way I'm talking to you. I don't, you know, appreciate what you're doing. And then there's people that... Come you, up giggling yeah. to the table. Yeah, like, come, that, that come up and they're like, they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm, I mean, yesterday, like, uh, or not yesterday, last week, two guys came up to the table that I would have never thought would have ever stopped by our table. And they totally talked to us about the show huh. and asked us about what it was. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we want to come. And it's, I think you just get surprised both ways at who's accepting and who is who isn't. Yeah, so. that's why you can't really say. Yeah, you can't generalize. Or maybe I'll generalize. Uh, how about sorority uh, members or fraternity members? Do they come up and... <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, do. <laughs> they, they come to our show. Um, a lot of frats and sororities come to our show. Uh-huh. Um, and they use it as part of their educational programs. Oh, I see. As do yeah. RAs. Um, yeah. I know a couple RAs who are using it as their program this year. In their so. dorms. and Yeah, yeah in the dorms. Uh-huh. Um, granted, like, you know, if you want, if the student wa- wants to attend, it's optional. But um, the uh, RAs and frats and sororities yeah, all attend. There's this, there's like I, I never would Big have groups. thought yeah, so yeah. many diverse groups of people would be interested in the show. And definitely, sororities and fraternities are a part of those groups, and they're totally open to it. So. I think the show actually brings attention to an issue that sororities and fraternities do care about, which is sexual violence. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think, like, when I was an undergraduate working with Take Back the Night and Clothesline Project, there were, I mean, it was, the leadership was dominated by sororities. Um, not all sororities, of course, but I think that mm-hmm. it does kind of talk to an issue that they care about. Yeah. Um, so, And I think it's really unique that, uh, I mean, the demographic that comes to the show is very influenced by the fact that we're on a university campus versus if we were in, if we were in, like, you know, the city of Tustin and doing this, like, it would be, it'd be really different. Very different, different yeah. yeah. How about the how about the fundamentalist uh, church people or uh, oh, fundamentalist church people? Have you reached out to that group? Um, you think in your shows? I <laughs> you don't want to talk. I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, just like just from my experiences last week on Ring Road. Um, I yeah no there was I got so many stares and just. I well, think. And again, it depends on uh, what sect, yeah. sect of religion you're talking yeah. about. It's sure, yeah. And there's a range of. Yeah. I mean, there's fundamentalists though, like super fundamentalists. I don't know. I. I oh well. I don't think so. I don't think so. So. It's just the word again. It's just the word vagina. They don't. Yeah. Know what that encompasses within our show, and. I think, you know, because the show defines, like like we spoke about, like spoke about earlier, the show defines vagina as a very positive thing. I think everyone in society still just has a very negative, you know, like um, they define the word vagina as a very negative thing. And a lot of the times you can't get that out of their head. So. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it comes into your head, the idea that, you know, when you have the people who th- think that with the vag- with V-Day that you have feminist as in radical feminist butch lesbian mm-hmm. and then you have the people who know that V-Day is feminism as in equality for all people simple put simply put you know does that make sense yeah that makes yeah. sense and there's just a stigma like of misunderstanding and i don't know 
maybe this uh you know that preacher at Saddleback Church uh, <laughs> <laughs> since he's been doing AIDS uh, you know he he advocates what um reaching out to fight AIDS in Africa and other places uh he might be a convert i don't know <laughs> yes. very interesting where coalitions could be made with the show i mean I mean, yeah. I think that Evanzer started the show during this era in the 90s where feminism was experiencing, like, this post-Reagan, like, backlash during, I mean, there's the Clinton yeah. era of this, like, golden era of, like, economy and whatever, but um, it was speaking to a generation of feminists, I thought, that were kind of unhappy with the um, stereotype of, like, man-hating lesbians or something yeah. mm. as feminist, and I mean... At the same time, I think that there were vestiges of some of the politics from the 70s in that, like, the way that she treats stuff around, like, po- feminist politics around the world um, could, I think that, like, there could be a lot more critique and, like, analysis of it in the show. But um, coming out of the 90s, uh, I mean, if it was in the 90s, then she was probably writing it, like, in the late 80s. So there's, you know, all that history there. Um, the sex wars and all that. Yeah, she's a straight white woman, um, middle yeah. class and all that stuff. But... I think that, you know, there's the, those, the historical origins of it have definitely, um, there's aspects of it that haven't changed, but there are aspects of it that have changed. Like we're in 2009 now, people are writing, there's different levels of writing of different monologues and inserting them into the show. Um, but I also feel like some of the politics that were from the 90s, like people are still not aware about and the show brings attention to all of that stuff. And again, starts dialogue about things that um, a lot of people in the mainstream still don't know about and stuff. Do you get high school students coming? Yes. Yeah. But not not high school production, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. You know, are there high school p- productions of the show? To be honest, I mean, I don't I'm not ashamed to say that there probably is. I like yeah. but I, I don't know personally. Yeah. But it's not um You'd be hard to find a school district that would, yeah. just because of, you know, the politics of it. Yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure there probably is. I don't maybe at a private school. Um, Ma- maybe at a private school. Get away yes. with it more easily. Well, I mean, some of the monologues are also age-specific. I don't know if that matters, if it's believable or not. Like, my monologue, like, I'm, I'm in my late 30s or something. Uh, <laughs> but, uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. I, yeah. I, have, I would have a hard time believing that a high school student could... I don't know, pull well, that I off, mean, but maybe. And it's like, you know, for each, you know, for shows, you have different version of, versions of shows. Like, oh, we see, have yeah. the college version of the show, which oh, I see. means yeah. that there are, um, there's a different script for us. I mean, it's not like she, um, Eve, omits anything. It's just that there are certain things that she thinks are more important yeah. to be presented on a college campus. And it goes the same way with, you know, theater in general and shows or scripts or Whatever you present at different schools, high schools are going to have a different script. Colleges are going to have a different script. Public spheres can have a different script. Uh, what what are the dates of the production here at UCI, and where where will it be held? Um, it's on the nineteenth, twentieth, and the twenty first of February, and it will be in PSLH Lecture Hall One Hundred. PSL is Physical Science. Physical Science Lecture Hall, lecture hall at eight p.m. Uh, yeah, I think on the 19th is at 8, on yes. the 20th is at 8.30, and 21st is at 8. Um, you can go yes. um, to another, uh, our website for more information, too. It's www.vdayuci.com. And 19th is a Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I think Thursday is a UCI focus, so there's... Um, um, Thursday is a UCI focus, but we um, do... Except, um, other than UCI yeah. students, it's ten dollars for it's students. It's gonna be a little crowded. And they can do it. They nice. can get information on the web. Uh, yes. Ticket Definitely. stuff, and they can get it. Or they can do it at the door, right? If they come early. Yes, they can um, come to the door and get tickets, um, or go to the website. It's www.vdauci.com, and um, get more information there. We also have a Facebook group. Um, V Day UCI 2009. And uh, do you, uh, what's what what is, are the proceeds going to benefit again? The proceeds are going to benefit, um, you know, the common cause worldwide, um, the rape in the Congo, and then they will also uh, Planned Parenthood, and then to um, a few other beneficiaries in the in our local community. 
They actually eat half and, of the proceeds. Oh, sorry. Oh. Half of it goes, <laughs> wow, I'm completely missing that. Half of it goes to UCI CARE. Uh-huh. Um, the Campus Assault Resource uh, Education, Education Center. Center. Yes, it's here at UCI. And we, our show funds, um, it was actually, that's oh, another reason we have V-Day at UCI is because CARE's funding was cut, like almost literally in half or yeah, because of the budget cuts. Of it, yeah. Budget cuts, and so our show funds almost all of their funding every year. Like last year, I believe we gave Care seven to eight thousand dollars, wow. maybe ten thousand. I I know that's playing with numbers a lot, but it's very high up there, and we highly fund Care. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Haile Pollard, uh, Mani Daliwal, Daliwal, yeah, and Natalie Newton. Um, <laughs> members of the cast of uh, B-Day at UC Irvine, Vagina Monologues. And for more information with links to the website, you can go to the Subversity website at KUCI.org slash Subversity. This is Dan Zhang signing off for Subversity. The opinions expressed on the show were not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Thank you very much.